Today I'm with um, Peter Briggs. So Pete, how did you get into the motor trade or whatever in the first place after you left school? Uh, my father ran a big laundry in Slough and behind it there was a Ford dealership and I didn't know what to do and I went in there to start as an apprentice. I wasn't a very good mechanic, I was okay and after about a year they moved me into reception. But um, my brother had converted armoured cars for a chap called Roy Winkleman because Roy was an English guy, went to school with my brother, went to America, did the armoured car business over there, came back to England, set it up in England for the first time ever, and my brother lined the trucks. Well, anyway, Roy then bought a Lola Junior and then started racing. My brother used to go with him. And so we had this long connection with Roy Winkleman. Well, when I was working in the garage, Winkleman Racing was running, um, and I knew them quite well, obviously. And in fact, um, my girlfriend started working there as well, working for Alan Reese, And... They then decided they wanted an extra person on the team. Because in those days, although they were running Formula One drivers, for example, Jochen Rent, um, there would only be one mechanic on each car and nobody else. Nothing in F2. In F2. So Winkleman's at the time were winning everything, but they were wanting an extra person. So I was asked, because I knew people, obviously, to go and work with them. And there were two New Zealand mechanics. There was the wonderful Pete Kerr and Johnny Martin at the time. And we were running, when I started in 68, we were running Alan Rees and Jochen Rint um, in the Brabham PT 23Cs. And that's where I started as a young lad working with the two mechanics. And you, didn't, you weren't doing anything specific on the cars, it was just helping out around... Helping, the, helping. I was doing all the paperwork, Lovely. carrying the Brabham spares for other teams as well. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, working on the car, cleaning them. Helping me, I put fuel in the cars, yep. all this general dog's yep. body and sort of go for stuff. Gradually. Yes, and that continued the following year in '69 when we were running then the Works Lotuses as such, which weren't particularly good cars. Mm. Um, and then we were running um, Who, drivers? Rint and Graham Hill, a right. lot of the events. Mm. Um, but we had John Miles in the car and other drivers as well. Alan Reese at that stage stopped and was getting more involved in the management side. But what was happening was that March Engineering was being formed. And in September that year, um, I joined March as one of the first people with Pete Kerr. And so there were about six of us at so March. was Winkleman sort of gradually running down at that point, or did he keep going? No, Roy, Roy wasn't really involved in it. He had um, a spare parts business and selling accessories all over the place, you know aerosol paints and oh, okay. things and if you look at Jochen Rint's helmet at the period I used to paint it for him he used to come in and throw me a white bell helmet and say because he painted and he just wanted a dark green and I picked any old dark green aerosol we had bit of masking tape and sprayed it not very professionally but that is how Jochen used to get his helmets painted and if you see some of them are pretty scruffy and they've got lots of white marks but in those days people didn't really care so anyway, Winkleman's then was, was, as such, the racing team Roy wasn't involved with, in all honesty. Right. It was all down to Alan Rees. Um, and then we all left to go to March, and obviously then there was no race team at Roy Winkleman Racing because we'd all gone. And we formed March, right. which was the most exciting time ever. Yeah. Uh, so, because obviously in 69 they'd done, the, was it the F3 car, the March, the one-off prototype? The end March. of the year, yes. And yes. then straight into F1. Yeah, yeah, it was everything. So well, the, the 693 was actually so built in Grand Coker's back garden mm-hmm. in Twyford, and I lived around that way. And it used, which way it is, Brabham front 
uprights and Lotus rear or vice versa. Right. And obviously, I supplied the Lotus stuff to them because we have the spare parts and business. Yeah. I think. So it was, yeah, it was, uh, it was basically Winkleman Racing. So then Robin Hood decided to jump straight to F1. Yeah, well, we did everything. It's where, yeah. where the market was, really. So who joined the team at the same time then at the start? Oh, that been Bob? Goodness. Bob was, came a bit later. Was it? Right. Yep, because he was mainly involved with Andretti. Well, that's right, he was. Um, so they came along with that. I'm, I mean, it was, initially it was the fabricators like Thompson and there was Pete Kerr and mm-hmm. um, Ray Wardell, mm-hmm. who actually was mechanic for 693 initially from Graham's place. Right. Um, so, yeah, it's... It's hard to remember all the people who were there, but there weren't there weren't many of us. And my job, being the last person, was to drive the van. Right. And you'd guess just drive all over England, collecting castings, taking to a machine shop, collecting rose joints, coming back. And the next person who was employed then got the job, which was such a relief. So you went up one step. Yes, because you were doing like ridiculous hours, ridiculous all over the countryside. And of course, very few motorways in those yeah. days. But that was a very very exciting time. And we had one factory up there in Murdoch Road, and I remember then getting the second unit, next another 3,000 feet. Oh, oh, we need some toilet rolls. Oh, we need um, this, we need that. And you do all have to rush off and stock this extra unit, and then you've got the third unit. So it was, it was very exciting times. How many people employed, let's say the first year or oh, the very God start? No, it expanded. Ten of you? Oh, initially it was, it, it was like... Less. Yes, but it was going up every week, of course. really. Was it? Yeah. Literally. Well, it had to, because, I mean, September was the first time it really started and in January was it we had four five six cars in yeah. South Africa on the Formula One grid and we were doing Formula Two and Formula Three and Can-Am it you know it was just mental and there was tons of uh, non-championship stuff too yeah. wasn't there at that point it was crazy well. it was crazy yeah. but I ended up well that year they put me in charge of running the Formula Two team which was Ronnie and Malcolm Guthrie right. and Malcolm basically funded it it was run from the factory um, but Malcolm supplied the truck and paid for um, basically his car and put money behind yes. Ronnie and all this sort of stuff. Yeah. And the car was dreadful, absolutely awful, great big tank of a thing. Mm. Um, but Ronnie being Ronnie, he was just exceptional mm. and pulled something out of the bag all the time. That's where Keith Layton started working on it. Yeah. And Keith had come from Cosworth where he'd worked with Robin mm-hmm. on the four-wheel drive car. And... Then we, um, yeah, so it was, it was an, an interesting season, I must admit. And then... I mean, was, how many races have you done, Pete? We did the whole F- Formula F- 2 F2. season. That's quite a lot, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a busy old season. Yeah, Euro- I can't European remember. European F2. Yeah, yeah, European F2 with mm-hmm. Ronnie. Um, we never had any real success with it. I mean, right. Rouen, Ronnie drove brilliantly, but it was all down to Ronnie. And then we spent a lot of time then in the winter of 70, beginning of 71, on the new cars the new March 712 and we tested constantly all over the place (coughs) and um, literally Silverstone just about wore Silverstone out going round and round with Ronnie and then that car was very successful when did Beaky join then? that was about that point? Beaky was um, he was basically in the Formula 1 side so I I kept away from that as much as possible I looked after Formula 2 and that year of course March wanted to earn money we actually ran we had a five car works team under me and it was Ronnie, Nicky Lauda, Jusso, yeah. Jarier, Mike Boitler. Then we ran the occasional sixth car for James Hunt and other people like that. And we had, one, we had one mechanic per car. 
Um, we had some rough old transporters. We had a French one for the two French, with a French mechanic. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had another old truck I bought from Jim Russell that carried three cars very badly. We had a van and trailer. It was like a bunch of gypsies yeah. really going around Europe. But we were successful. And Ronnie won the Formula 2 championship. And Was it good fun or was it just hard work, full stop? Yeah, it's always good fun because it's simple. Simple days. Yeah, sure. And you go to nice places, you know, and there's... Yeah. There was customs documentation to sort out everywhere, and it was just great. And I remember one of the mechanics who actually looked after Nicky's car, which a guy called Nigel Stroud, and Nigel joined us, and, and he was working in production. And what happened? We had all these mechanics come and work in the production job, building cars for the customers, because right. we were selling lots of cars. And then you'd pull them onto the race team when the production went off. And that's where Nigel came from. And I remember going to Mallory for the first time, and I said, well, give him a signal. And he said, what's that? <laughs> and that's how basic it was. But he went on to design Lotus Formula One cars. So, I mean, it's quite incredible, actually, where they curve. come from. Yeah. yeah. You but can start it, somewhere. It was, yeah, it was very, it was, that's why it was so lovely. You know, it was everybody sort of enjoying, enjoying things yeah. and stuff. Mm. And then at the end of the year, we went off to South America and did the oh, series yeah. for yeah. Temporada, which mm-hmm. gained four races in four weekends. Amazing times. So where was that? Brazil, Argentina? Brazil. That oh, was, uh, oh. The first one was... 71 was all Brazil. Right. Yeah. Yes. Temporadas of all Brazil. Mm-hmm. Do, um, we went to Interlagos, yeah. and then we went down to San Juan, uh, somewhere else, uh, and then back to there. And in 68, we did F2 Temporada down in Argentina. Right. In 68, we peaked. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, that was interesting. I bet that was good fun. Mm, very basic. In the 60s. Yeah, very basic. Going to right. Argentina, it was very interesting, actually. So, yeah, so then we did 71. So, then what happened? Strange story, this. Alan Reese was, was leaving to set up a, a thing called Deals Inc. And I had been assigned. What was that doing then? What was right. that? Okay. I had been assigned the Works Formula 2 team for the future, okay. which is going to be Ronnie and Nicky. Mm-hmm. So, that was my job, basically. But Alan was leaving to run Deals Inc. And they wanted, well, Alan wanted me to go with him. And what it was, it was going to be a, an organisation that supplied race cars, turn up and drive. Right. And you could turn up and drive from Formula 4 to Formula 1. And in those days, that was quite unusual. Yeah. It was a new venture. Yeah. So I basically left March to go to Deals Inc., which I thought was part of March, but it turned out not to be. Um, to run the Formula 2 Works team. And I was there, and I thought, well, I don't know, there's nothing really happening. We haven't got any premises. Right. There's nothing happening. It went on for about a month, right. six, seven weeks. Eventually I said, oh, Alan, what, what, what's going on? Yeah. Oh, well, 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 well. So when I saw Max, I said, Max, I'm getting a bit worried. He said, yes, we are. <laughs> we are, Peter. He said, uh, do you want to come back? I said, yeah, I'd love yes, to. please. So I went back, and I had everything organised. I know it sounds silly, got everything organised, but I had a... That's the hotels we're staying in. That's yeah, the spares we that. need. This are the colours. <clears throat> this is this. Everything was organised. I'd spent all the time doing it. So after a week, Max called me in. Uh, Briggsy, he said, um, got a bit of a problem. He said, uh, we've, um, we've lost a major sponsor. And sadly, we've got to cut back. And it's last in, first, first out. out. Oh. Okay. oh. Right. Shit. So... Good old Max. Yeah. So that. that was it. So 
it, this was, I don't know, January or February by then. I thought, what am I going to do? Yeah. So then I got a call from a guy at 30s, Alan LaFen, who I'd met through Brabham days when we were in the Brabham's. And he said, look, we're starting up F2, come and see us. And so I went down to Edenbridge, sure. near about where we are now. Yeah. And they said, would you like to run our new Formula 2 team? It's Mike Howard, yeah. Matchbox team. Yeah, please. Why not? Yeah. You know, I've got to... <laughs> yeah. So I came to 30s in Edenbridge, and it was pretty basic at the time. I mean, he was... Uh, yeah. We made everything there, but... Funny enough, I've got a little note here about those cars, Pete. Who designed those cars? Uh, they, um, there was Ken Sears. Okay. And Shish. Right. But yes. Ken Sears went off to Lotus <clears throat> from the road car side eventually. But Ken was the, the designer there. John reckons he was involved, but just interfering mainly. Um, <laughs> so then we started there. So that was a Matchbox sponsorship. Yeah, but John had... It was a new engine that year. It was a change of engine formula. Because mm-hmm. um, before we were running... Yeah, it was, I can't remember. But anyway, we went into this new formula. It's a two-litre based... You know, most people used a, a Ford-based engine. Sure. And I wasn't happy with the engines we were using. I mean, he had done deal with two or three people, and they were all... Yeah. You know, I think Westbury was involved, mm-hmm. which is all these odd people. Because I was a great fan of Brian Hart. Mm-hmm. And after about two or three races, I said, John, I convinced him put the Brian Hart 1835 smaller engine in. Right. And from then on, we had success. Um, and, well, Mike won the championship, which yeah. is a yeah. great thing. Yeah. So but that was one car? That one no, no, we had drive. Carlos Roish, in the oh, yes, car in Argentinian, right. who I actually took... In the book, fine I actually took him because he... Because I, I knew... I'd met them all through Formula 2, and they had running their own team, but then they decided not to, and no. they wanted me to... Um, look after them basically yeah. now I was going to take them to March <laughs> thanks a lot no we're not going to do that <laughs> no so I took him down to Surtees and uh, he drove for Surtees mm. but we also ran Carlos Pache at times yeah he was a brilliant driver mm. um, and things like that mm. and at the end of the year we went to the South American series to Argentina uh, sorry Brazil again yeah and we raced there and we ran Pache and Mike and Roger. another guy. No, no. we run um, Duarte, another guy, I think. Right. But it was the first time that the Brian Hart aluminium two-litre engine was used. He built his own engine. And we also had a new car, the TS-15, mm-hmm. so we put it in that. And that's, we ran it out there. And one of the things I always remember is we ran in one race, one weekend with this engine, and Brian wanted it back. So we got it out, and I took it to this different airport, not the main airport, don't know how I did it in those days. And we got it flown back to England. It was rebuilt, flown back, and I got it back in the car. Now, when you think about it today, it's easy. You phone up DHL. Yeah. But in those days, no, forget it. So how we managed to do that, I don't know. Again, it was it's successful. That was good. Mm. And then, of course, my good old friend, Max. Love him to bits. Peter, Peter. He said, um, could you come and see us when you come back? I said, why? He said, well, you know, I think we should come and have a meeting. Okay. So I went and saw him in London. He said, right. He said, done. We want to win the Formula One World Championship. Sounds good. He said, we're going to have a one-car team. He said, we're going to have Pete Kerr, another mechanic, blah, blah, blah. Um, it's Chris Amon. Right. He said, and we want to put full effort into it. And we want the best of everything. Right. And we want you to run it. I said, 
fair enough, sounds good. So I said, yeah, he said, yeah, blah, blah, blah. I said, right, I want £3,750. I've actually got a letter of this. <laughs> oh my goodness, that's too expensive. I said, I said, if you want the best, you've said I'm the best, that's what it is. Oh, okay. So I came back to John, I said, look, I've been offered a job at March. I said, I don't want to go. I'm really, really happy here. I said, you will never be able to match what they've offered me. Offer me a bit more and I'll stay. stay. Mm-hmm. And we, I was having lunch with him at his house with his wife at the time. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, I don't think... Oh, I said, well, I'm going to have to go. I'm sorry. In that case. I, mean, I don't want to, but yeah, I'm leaving, you yeah. know. Yeah. So I did. I went back to March and back to my best mate, Pete Kerr, who I'm awesome with. And we were going to run the... Um, Pete was with Ronnie before with this 721G sure, sure. right. and we were running a variant of that for Chris and we thought yeah this could be a good little team you know a little single car truck yeah, but yeah. all set up <laughs> about two weeks later Peter can I go see me um, we've got a problem what's that oh, we haven't done the deal with Chris so we're not running Chris anymore right okay we're running well I'm not sure yet and of course he ended up in Jarier yeah <laughs> good old Max and I think Primarily, I'm not praising myself on this. I think what he wanted to do was to disrupt the Surtees empire because they were then selling all the cars, production yeah. cars. Because I'd gone there, we'd gone there, the team, I said, mm. okay, and we'd won the championship. People were then ordering Surtees and their production had dropped. Yeah. So Max's way of thinking is maybe it was something to do with me, you know, if we a small part, there. exactly. We can build it up, blah, blah, blah. Sure. So I think that's what happened. So, of course, then um, we ran that car. And of course, we had the, the terrible thing at Zanville with Roger, um, which well, was the worst thing ever. Yeah. But good old Max again, you know, we were there, and Roger's girlfriend was there, and his dad and mm-hmm. Tom, and I actually saw it on a tiny monitor. Yeah. In those days, there was very little TV. And behind our pit was a tiny monitor watching it, and mm-hmm. I was with Roger's girlfriend, and we actually saw it happen. Yeah. So I had to go and tell Tom and his dad and everything, and Max was there as well. And then, you know, obviously there was a big hoo-ha, and about 7 o'clock at night, Max says, OK, Briggsy, I've got to leave now, I'll leave it to you. And there I was, 26-year-old. Mop it all up. Yes. Yeah. And there's only Pete Kerr and a mechanic and myself there, um, you know, having to deal with the police, go yeah, back to sure. Roger's room and yeah, pack all his all clothes stuff. up. It was dreadful. Yeah. And I stopped. I stopped racing, basically. There, straight after that? Uh, virtually, yeah. I never went to another race really? with March yeah. um, that year. Uh, I can't blame you. No, nah, it was all too much, really. Yeah. He's such a nice little lad. Sure. And, you know, and the sad thing were people saying, oh, the suspension broke. It was a puncture. Of course it was. And it's I remember Andrew Marriott coming up to me and he said, <laughs> Briggsy, he said, is that what it is? It was a puncture. Come and see. And they showed us the tyre marks where, right. where the puncture went. So, yeah, you know, but it's, yeah, it's just one of those awful things. Yeah. Um, and so then I did weird things. I went off and worked for a company selling accessories, road accessories, and the <laughs> dreadful thing. Yeah. A company called GT Riches. I had my little Morris Marine and my suit going around to various accessory shops and selling them Polko smellies and Holtz undershield. <laughs> and then I went to work for Gordon Spice with his big cash and carry in Staines. Because yeah. they were then starting to deal in motorsport things, you know, Zeus fasteners, Varley yes, batteries, yes. Griffin helmets, linear sport clothing. And I went there to run that for them, because having worked for a thing, and got on with them so well. They were such lovely people to deal with. Beautiful. 
Um, but then I got contacted by that was 72, 72 70, end of 75. Yeah. That's when I got a call from 30s. So they got some sponsorship and they were back in business basically to run the uh, the TS 19s with yeah. the Jurek sponsorship. Yeah. Uh, so I turned up, I, went, I came back because my wife at the time came from Eden Bridge and it worked oh, out well. So it was all where I wanted to be. And um, yeah, I turned up and of course it was absolute chaos. It was just rubbish everywhere and everything. I mean, it was just nothing. It was a, a shambles basically, a total shambles. Because yeah. it had gone downhill, downhill, downhill. The car was a nice little car. Um, um, as you asked earlier, it was designed by Ken Sears primarily. There was a guy called Shish. Yes. I don't know what happened, an Indian lad, I don't know what happened to him. Um, he was with Surtees a while, wasn't he? Yeah, saying that. yeah. Um, and it was, it was a good little car, and we, we built everything in-house, which was quite an exciting yeah, thing, really. Yeah. An amazing fabricator there who used to work in an air-conditioning factory in Edenbridge had no interest in motor racing, but as an artist, you yeah. give him a piece of metal and it and came... It, it was unbelievable. Yeah. You know, and this guy just did his nine-to-five job and that was it. You yeah. Know, he had no interest in motorsport. It's funny, isn't it? Yeah. He just liked doing it. Yeah. That's what he could do. Absolutely unbelievable. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, a, 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 an artist. He yeah, really was. Literally. And that was, you know, fun. <laughs> so we were down there with Alan Jones. Right, I was going to say, which yeah. cars did you have for that? Alan Jones, Brett Lunger. Right. Yeah. I remember we finished the first car and... Was this the Beta Tools? No, this is Jurex. Oh, that was, sorry. That's, that's it. White ones. Um, we went off to Brands Hatch for its first race and we'd worked all night. And like you do. Yeah, I, and we were running late. And so I went ahead and grabbed the scrutineers and a couple of Edenbridge lads. I said, look, we're in trouble, boys. We're going to miss scrutineering because it's very basic in those days. Um, can you help us out? They said, when is the truck coming? I said, be here in half an hour. They said, okay, we'll wait for it. And as we were unloading out the truck, they scrutineered it and put a sticker on it. <laughs> Alan Jones got in, drove through the tunnel and straight into practice. And of course, that's the race he actually led, which yeah, is very right. special. Yeah. First time the tunnel turned a wheel, so yeah. it's very, very, very good. <laughs> what was Jonesy like to work with at that point? <laughs> obviously, that was... Very early for him. Yeah, it was. He was, um, <clears throat> he was quite a lad, actually. And he had this Australian wife, Bev, who was awesome. She was great fun. Um, obviously never got on with John because John didn't understand that uh, the way to be successful is you have to look after your drivers. He didn't understand that. Mm. And most professional top racing drivers are useless at team management because yeah. they don't see it. They don't think you can manipulate a driver's brain to mm. make him go faster. Mm. They just don't see it because they don't believe it. And John was one of those guys. He was very stubborn, um, you know, and didn't understand that if you upset a driver, he'd go slower. He had yeah. no idea. No idea at all. Um, and it was quite sad, really, because I think, you know, if it, it's a stupid thing, like, the car had a very narrow cockpit. It's only fiberglass top. And, yeah. and yeah. to change gear, Alan Jones used to literally cut his hands. Yeah. And he said, can, you know, can we have a bubble in there? I said, yeah, I can't see why not. John, I was just a, no way, we're not doing that. It will upset you. Know, why? But immediately then, Alan was negative. Yeah. Well, he won't even do that for me. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, you, you then get to the stage of, no use asking then, is there? That's right. Yeah. You know, why bother? Yeah. I'll just do my that. job and that's it. Uh, and it was very very <clears throat> stupid of John, but that's how he was, basically. Yeah, sure. So that was um, 76, yep. right? And you were there at Surtees all the way through to the end. Yes, So to the very end. Was it sort of 
from that point, for even from that point, <coughs> it was, a, was it a gradual? Uh, or? No, it was actually building up a bit, actually. Was it? In 77, we mm. had the beta, we got Brad yeah. Biller. Yeah. Um, the trouble was, John was still trying to do everything on the cheap, you know, and we had some of the engines done by Swindon, but he had his, uh, his own bloke in the scruffy little shed down there, mm. and the guy spent more time in the pub than he did there, building DFE engines. So, you know, you knew you weren't no. getting the very best, yeah. you know. Um, it's things like that, you know. It's just, no, you shouldn't be doing yeah, it that way. Right. Um, yeah, if you're going to do it, do it. Yeah, you know, you only had to keep going to Swindon, let them do all your engines, you know, yeah. or something, yeah. you know, because they they were fine. Mm. But yeah, I think uh, John held it back in some ways because of his, um, you know, being yeah. so strong-willed about things and not accepting things and stuff yeah. like that. He got on well with Bram Biller because they spoke Italian, mm-hmm. you know, and that sort of things. But we all know Vittorio was a <laughs> bit of a hothead. That's some lovely stories from him. I remember being in Japan with him and there was a red flag and he came in and said, I said, well, what's up with Tori? He said, oh, a local driver crashed. I went, oh, okay. What he didn't tell us is he'd pushed him off. <laughs> and then John couldn't go to America because he had some lawsuit going on out there. And so I, because I didn't do all the races. I did, I, I, when I went back to him, I said, look, I'm not traveling. If right. I travel, my wife's coming with me. Because yeah. that's it. And so I did the American races because he couldn't. And mm-hmm. I did like other ones at Belgium because we had the sponsors there and things, things like that. Yeah. Monaco and stuff. So <clears throat> we were um, at America, America, or Canada, I don't know, with Vittorio. And he was actually running in third place. Well, then, you know, what? Oh. Unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. Uh, incredible for 30s or even higher. Yeah. And then. He went off. Well, actually, he came in and, he, and he, we walked back. We said, what happened? He said, oh, the oil, the oil, oil. And we thought, oh, oil pressure. Right. No, he went off on oil, which had been there for half a lap. I mean, half a race. Yeah. You know, oh. and he was pushing too hard. But that's typical Victoria, you know, as it was. And so it was a, it was a struggle with, with John. Sure. You know, um, you know it, but it was still good fun because in those days you would still lend components to one another, yes. you know. Frank will come up and say, any chance we could borrow an engine? You know, and he say, yeah, okay, but it's done X number of miles, you'd yeah. have to rebuild it. Yep, okay. Or can we borrow this gear ratio and all yeah. that? And yeah. it was it was very friendly, really. We don't stall the team. So it was really, really yeah. good. And you knew you'd get it back. Yeah. Or whatever. And then we had 78, <clears throat> and that was when we lost, well, we lost, uh, Keegan crashed. Yeah. And he had his hair. And then Bram Biller was involved in Ronnie Shunt at Monza, and he was off. So we went to America... And I had Beppe Gabbiani and Reniandu, right. who we thought a lot of. Yeah. And the deal was that John wanted to run Arnu the following year with a ground effect car that yeah. you're working yeah. on. And <clears throat> we went there and he did a good job. And in fact, um, Renault then signed him up. So John lost that potential yeah. driver. Yeah. John was in hospital because he was having remedial work on his legs from his bad shunt. And basically stopped. And we had one championship position. And in those days, you got benefits for where you were. Sure. And we had one. And so he actually sold it to Frank Williams right. to get an income. Yeah. And then closed the team down as such. Mm-hmm. Well, he allowed me to keep the equipment and keep it running. And I did some Aurora races. Yeah. I got some sponsorship from yeah. Aurora and things. And we then made basically the, the ground effect car to the TS20 plus and what it really was it was the TS20 
and we modified it. In fact, what we did, we turned the monarch upside down because <laughs> right. it was the shape of yeah, it yeah. and put some other bits <laughs> on it and things like that. It was quite interesting. And it went out and it did win. We won the who, who, Gordon won? Smiley. Right. Oh, yes. He won in it. Yeah, he did. Um, but at the same time, we, John had also bought a Renault dealership and a Honda dealership in Edenbridge, right. which I was involved in the running of, um, primarily the Honda one eventually. And so when 79 was going on, in one of his little moods, he says, damn Honda, they won't do this, they won't do that. If I could find somebody to buy it, I would. I said, I'll have it. Ready? I said, yeah. And I had no money. Right. Um, but what I basically because then it was very small I mean the Honda dealership then I think there were like four or five of us that's right. all um, and it had a small little showroom mm. in Edenbridge on the petrol site that John owned so I did a lease job where I leased the premises from him mm. and, you know, took this over to but he did everything until the last minute to try and screw it up like he walked in and said oh the, that, that, there, that, that wasn't included in the deal you're going to have to pay that for that yeah okay John and so everything well, I did I did it um, so then we we made a lot of money basically with the Honda dealership, right? Because it became a situation that <clears throat> was very popular. Um, so you, you're out of racing, yeah? At this, I stopped that racing point. at that stage, right? Okay. End of '79, yeah. '80. '80, I took the garage on, just concentrated on the garage, yeah. And we built it up to sell over 200 new units a year. I moved premises and right. that sort of stuff. Ended up with another one in Tunbridge Wells. So I had two dealerships going, mm-hmm. and. It was the, the the period where Hondas were very well thought of. No discounts being given. Right. We were earning 17% on them, which is a good margin. You would come in and order one and wait two months for it. Right. So it was money for old world. Yeah. Yeah. It really was. They sold themselves. Yes. <clears throat> so that built up and up and up.